Welcome to the Big Self Podcast. We are a learning community for people at a career crossroads, ready to rejoin their soul and their role. We have long-form conversations about self-awareness, relationships, tapping into your inner genius, and building sustainable habits. We are led by our questions. We're curious. We're storytellers. And the more we learn, the better we get. And there are people all around us who have done the work. We think they have a lot to say about how we can discern and activate our own purpose. I'm Shelley Prevost. I'm an educational psychologist and the founder of Big Self. And I'm Chad Prevost. I'm a media specialist. I write, research, and produce content across industries. To learn more about how to join the tribe, go to ShellyPrevost.com slash Big Self Society. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. We are so excited to have our friend Patricia, Dr. Patricia McClelland here on the show today. And if you know Patricia, you know she goes by Trisha for her buddies. Um, she is here. She is a local Chattanooga-based um, OBGYN who is leading this movement in women's health here in our community, and we're so excited to have her here. Patricia started focusing on medicine as a career after she became ill at the age of 16, which I did not know. We might ask you about that. She says it changed her focus and her perspective, and she believes that improving health is one of the best gifts she can give to, to other people. Amen to that. And uh, she empowers women all over our community through her, through her practice. Her mission hasn't changed throughout her career. She's now able to do this on a personal basis with her, her patients, and we will talk about that in the show. Patricia went to Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt University and graduated magna cum laude with a double major in mathematics and chemistry. She stayed at Vanderbilt for medical school and graduated in the top 10% of her class. That's a pretty competitive company right there. She did her OBGYN residency at Emory in Atlanta spending the majority of her, of her time at Grady Hospital, where she saw almost every problem associated with pregnancy. She practiced briefly in Atlanta, but wanted a slower pace, less traffic, more to do outdoors. So she practiced in Portland for five years before moving back to Chattanooga. Patricia, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to We're be here. We're so glad you're here. It is great to great to have you here. And well, let's begin. Tell us a little about yourself. And yeah, what did happen when you were 16 that became such a turning point in your life? Well, um, first of all, about myself, I am an OBGYN, as you mentioned, I've been practicing for over 21 years, which seems a little crazy, but um, it's been an amazing journey. I'm also a wife and a mom and absolutely adore that. One of the best things about both of those is um, just the connection I'm able to make with other women when I say, hey, been there, done that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just a deeper connection um, that that we all will grab onto if some if we feel like somebody understands where we are. Um, I also am very passionate about being outside. Um, 
I feel like the best way I can serve other people is by having my own cup filled. Mm. Um, yes. And please put me outside. Give me, let me hike um, with my dog. I love hiking with other people, but there is something about the wagging tail of a golden retriever. (laughs) So do you have to keep the dog on the leash or or can the dog uh, stick by your side without having to do that? Um, Well, you know, you're supposed to keep a dog on the leash. I know, but that is Uh, so hard to do. Um, not for us. Our dog will go away and not come back. Yeah, that's no. so, so we so have to. Ryan, I do have Ryan pretty well trained that when we're hiking, he waits for me if he can't see me. Oh, and wow. so um, he really does stop every time there's a turn. Um, and, but that's after like the first mile because he has to run around and just be happy. What's a, what's a good hike for you? Like How far would be a good hike? Well, um my 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 go-to is on the side of lookout we live on lookout and um i like to go over to the guild trail um go up gum spring so it's about a A lot of good hiking over there yeah it's about a four mile hike and about 0.7 is straight up so wow um i like that part i don't (laughs) like that part and i like that part (laughs) okay Right. Um, I love hate relationships. So you're not going to give a specific number. You, 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 it'll, you know, it's not like, is it five miles? Is it, is it 10 or? No, no, it, that's about three and a half to four. So that's my standard. Oh, okay. That's my standard go-to. A, I can do it in an hour. Yeah. Um, that sounds nice. Yes, it is very nice. Mm. So what happened at 16? Well, at 16, I was in Africa. My dad does a lot of missionary work in Africa, and I went with him, and he had a team of college students. And while we were there, I got malaria and typhoid fever. And um, I am 5'11", and I dropped to 110 pounds, if that gives you any idea of how sick I was. Uh, And I was in the hospital there twice over, uh, over that period of time. And I was extremely ill. I was 16. I didn't have, you know, my mom wasn't there. Um, and my dad was off with the team. So really the only two people that would visit me was this Episcopal priest and, um, his wife and, um, they were dear. They were absolutely dear. I don't even remember their names. But when you hear a doctor tell your um, your father that you might die, mm. um, first of all, who says that at the bedside? Right. Um, oh, yeah. And then also, if you're having a 105-degree fever and you're a bit on the delirious side anyways, there's a, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in a your A lot head. to be scared about. Uh, bottom line is... Um, when you when you have when everything feels like it's stripped away yeah then the clarity of what do you have and it's really yourself and your health Mm. um and i would say before that i always thought that i might go um like it i I wanted to be like an international businessman or or businesswoman um and then i was like oh come on trisha that's not you Um, (laughs) how did you know was it this experience that clarified that or did you already have some deeper sense of a calling you know, I don't, I don't know the okay. right, the right answer. I, what I can tell you is that, um, you know, I was, 
I was kind of all over the place trying to figure out life, trying to figure out who I am. Um, and that was something that, you know, almost like the analogy of treading water. Um, that's when my toe first hit the bottom. Well, mm. so, um, mm. so how long was the process of recovery? You obviously rallied on some level. Uh, how, how long were you, were you ill? I was ill for, so I was there for, uh, I can't remember. It was like three or four weeks. Uh, yeah, we were there about three or four weeks, but the, the actual recovery was really about a year. Wow. Um, and, um, I had some injuries in that year and I think that it was related, um, a lot to the fact that I just was so, I'd been so ill and, um, yeah, I'd been so ill and I wasn't doing, I mean, I just wasn't doing well for a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you, you mentioned being a, um, you know, you, you thought about being a business woman that wasn't you. You obviously had, uh, a lot of, uh, ambition and drive, uh, double majoring, and I don't know if I'm skipping ahead too much, but you, you double majored in mathematics and, and chemistry, and I can see the chemistry thing and, and you know that, that kind of um, science part fitting into where you ultimately went in the medical profession. How did, 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 what, what were you thinking with the mathematics? And um, like, how did that, how does that play? Does, does mathematics still apply to what you do um, today? Well, I went, as you said earlier, I went to Vanderbilt for undergrad and you could not major in pre-med, which I think is brilliant. And so, um, I had my, um, chemistry major. I had all my pre-med classes. I had all my core, um, classes and I did the math because I enjoyed it. I don't know. Like, oh, do you tell wow, me Wow, what that? a nerd. Um, I love it. I so, love it. My only, my only elective, my entire four years at Vanderbilt was accounting and I chose <laughs> that and it was the worst class ever. I hated it. But back to math for a second. Um, what I love about math is you learn principles and if you learn basic principles really well, then you can really build on that and then you can solve problems that are new and different. If you really have a good basis wow. in those basis, basic principles. A message to our boys and maybe math haters everywhere. Yeah, well, and you were mentioning earlier to us the, how you're able to use that in your work um, as kind of leading this women's health initiative. Uh, talk about that just a little bit, how you see something that might not be so relatable to people on the outside looking in, but makes a ton of sense when you talk about how you use your kind of math mind. Well, I think, you know, I look at, I look at processes and um, I think that it's a little bit easier to to kind of think about it. So I do two things. First of all, most people know that I'm an in private practice, um, but I'm also a medical director of women's services at Erlanger East, which is really the focus is quality and safety. And um, my passion is the process. Um, we all, we're all human. We all make mistakes. So in order to improve outcomes, it's really about the process and about checks and balances, and it's about communication. Um, 
And those are, those are the things that improve outcomes. Um, and there's really, it's really a puzzle. Um, and you're really using, you go back to those basic techniques. You know, you always go back to, hey, maybe I should speak. Hey, maybe I should be respectful. Hey, what did I learn about X, Y, or Z? So every time you're looking at processes, you are going back to the basic principles. Um, and most of the time when problems occur, it's, uh, it's, the basis is communication. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's always puzzles to work out. And that's what I love is really looking at the processes. Um, and we, you know, like looking back when there's a, to residency, we were just, it was beaten into our head, the processes of dealing with different types of emergencies. And if you really know the basic principles, then you're actually going to have more understanding of when you should deviate as well. Um, because every, everybody's different. Every situation is different. Um, so the more you understand, the more you know, hey, I need to stay on this path or wow, we need to deviate um, for the best outcome. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to shift a little bit and talk about your practice. So people that don't know, Trisha and I have had a, a chance to do a yoga retreat together last fall. We did three and I really got to see her, her heart and the way that she works. Um, she's not just a physician, although she, of course she is, but the way that she works is giving, um, helping women in particular gain insight into their inner life, which is such a rare gift, I think, for a, a doctor to give to her patients. Um, so I wanted to for you to talk about that a little bit. Like I know you have these patients that come in with a symptom, but the way that you, at least how I see it, the way you see it and the way you talk about it and the way you coach and guide your patients is, is getting them into a deeper awareness of their life. And so if you could um, just share a little bit about your thinking around that and how, how we can be a little bit more attuned to what's happening inside of us versus just the symptoms that we're bringing to you. I think that's a wonderful question. And, and, you know, my goal throughout my career has been to empower women to greater health. Um, but I think my awareness on how to communicate, coach and guide has changed because it's, it's really not about me doing anything. It's really about me helping you harness yourself. Um, and so the way I look, going back to processes and stuff, the way I look at it is it's almost like if you're lost, um, the first place we have to know is where exactly are you? Where are you? And where do you want to go? And for somebody to figure out exactly where they are, the first thing that really needs to happen is they have to value themselves. They have to value themselves enough to see their strengths honestly and to see their weaknesses honestly mm -hmm. and their challenges. And so oftentimes if we don't have, if we don't value ourselves, we don't see either. We don't mm -hmm. see our strengths yeah. and we don't see our weaknesses. And that basically means you don't know where you are. 
Um, and so the goal really is where are you? And, um, the way, so it's almost like, okay, let's figure out this puzzle. Let's figure out exactly. I love how your you mind are. works like that. That's so um, cool. And, um, I saw somebody recently and it was, it really made me chuckle because she's really improved a lot. And she said, thank you for all you did. And I was like, I didn't do anything. All I did was ask you and, and, you know, huh. and kind of like nudge you. Um, so bottom line is, first of all, figure out exactly where you are. And, and when you say figure out exactly where you are, are you, are you, thinking more physically like health or are you thinking more holistically in terms of um because I deal I I kind of confront that question psychologically um but I imagine you think of it more holistically kind of where are you in your life right now I think that is a wonderful question I what I try to do is I figure out I try to figure out by questions um what's going to resonate with someone okay okay so for example most women will resonate on the hormonal component of how they feel. Yes. And so that's almost like, okay, that's the path I'm going to take. Um, okay. Even if I don't think that's the primary issue. Got it. Um, okay. So for example, a lot of women will come in with hormonal symptoms. Um, and then I see really quickly that stress has a huge component um, <clears throat> and the way they eat, mm -hmm. you know, Oh, diet. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah. um, so most of the time, um, I can see, okay, we're, we're on this path, the more, the path that really is what we need to take, but we're not quite there yet. So it's almost like I've okay. got to unlock this door before we can see what's behind it. So, so I guess you probably see a lot of stress too, maybe some cortisol that, that, that impacts, the hormonal balance and, and so in some ways that's how i guess someone can know where they're at they're seeing some symptoms what are some of the maybe stress related symptoms that that you see trisha um and and as a beginning point for for um maybe maybe some of our listeners can like think about well you know ask themselves if they're if they if they have some of these well my my answer to that question is yes <laughs> all of the above <laughs> no but on a specific basis um lots of things you know fatigue is probably one of the most common um and you know cognitive symptoms mental fog mental that, fog mm -hmm. um hot flashes night sweats mood swings irritability um i just don't feel myself um those those kind of things and whenever somebody comes in with non-specific symptoms and what i mean by that is i'm not saying they're not symptoms but they're they don't point to one thing um and usually stresses involved so what's interesting is you have to um you have to balance out or what one thing you have to look at is self-indulgence versus self-care. Yes, talk about that. And our society is so self-indulgent mm. that a lot of people misunderstand self-care. And um, and so it's like, okay, if I go, um, you know, if I go, if I change my schedule, 
for example, me, I change my schedule. So that allows me to um, exercise in the morning. Um, when I shared that with a couple people, um, the, the comments were all directed like, wow, that's indulgent. Or wow, I wish wouldn't I could that do be that. Nice. Be, wouldn't that be nice? Right. Um, There's there is this whole perception of if you're taking care of yourself, like that you're somehow privileged or something. Right. Right. Um, but I I realize, and I've realized this for a while, but it's it's hard to maintain. Is if you really want all of me, then I need to take care of myself. Mm, um, yes. And. It always, it goes back to one, you know, my number one rule of parenting. Um, and I love this because especially first time moms are like, oh, what is it? And I'm like, take care of yourself. You, mm -hmm. The thing that yeah. your kid needs the most is a whole you. Yes. W-H-O-L-E, a whole you. They don't need stuff. They need you. Why is this so hard for us? Like I intellectually, everyone's like, yes, I should take care of myself. But the practice of it, especially for women, is so, it's like we battle that in our own heads and we, we can rationalize ourselves out of self-care. Is it because of the self-indulgent kind of fear? Like people are going to see that I think I'm selfish. Um, I think that's a, that's a, it's a fascinating question. It is, this is yeah, something this that is... I ask all the time. I think there's there there's a tension between self-indulgent and self-care. And there's a tension a, a tension between being mindful, introspective and navel gazing, if that mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. if you're t if you're only focused on yourself, that's not a rich life either. Yeah. And so, um, so like I know that I can minister to somebody better if I maintain, if I do a good job of maintaining my morning routine to kind of be ready. If there's certain things I do stop, take a breath, um, during the day, um, there's lots of little things that I am very mindful about that are really not big. Um, but I think the biggest thing when it comes to stress is, um, there's two, there's two kinds of stress. One of them is that acute stress. Oh, wow. Something really, 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 really bad happened mm -hmm. or I had a really bad loss that is tangible. We give people breaks for that. It's like, okay, let me bring you food. Let me help you yeah. with this. It's an um, event, some yes, type of activating event. event that we can wrap um, our heads around. But the, the stress that I think is, is more impactful, more insidious and worse is just the stress of too much. I, I would agree with that. Um, so one of the first things that I'm thinking about when I'm talking to somebody is what are you, how much are you doing? And it's basically what I tell people all the time. It's if you're shoving a 28 hour day into a 24 hour day, it is not sustainable period. Mm -hmm. yep. And when you look at everything individually, they're all good things. They're all good things. Um, so it's really hard to like eliminate one thing. Um, but what most people do, and I don't know if this is cultural or not. Um, the first thing people do is, um, is eliminate the self-care. 
Mm-hmm. And um, we are also not very aware of how important sleep is. Um, and, you know, lack of sleep or sleep deprivation is actually a form of torture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Yeah, yeah I, I know. We, you know, and there's a lot of new information that we're still learning about sleep, isn't it? I mean, there's constantly some new, there's research right. in there. I've been hearing some stuff about just like how disruptive it is to miss a, like a, to have a bad, one bad night's sleep. You don't just make up for it by getting that extra sleep cycle the next day. You want to tell us like some important well, principles about <clears throat> sleep? There is a there was a great study that was done a while ago um, looking at alcohol intake and sleep deprivation. And the longer you go without sleep, it's equivalent to your reaction time is the equivalent of a certain blood alcohol level. So you could actually fail, quote, fail like a um, uh, a test. I mean, not that you're going to breathe alcohol, but right. but the cognitive, the 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 response is going to be similar to being legally drunk. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Uh, so, um, in our retreat that we did this fall, I was really surprised at you know we talked about symptoms and kind of. Um, what, how some of the stress is manifesting for all of us and sleep deprivation or sleep, um, disruption was huge for the, I think almost every single woman talked, said sleep, my sleep is disturbed. I know that I'm not getting enough sleep. I think that's, uh, fascinating on several levels and left, you know, thinking about how do we help people? Like, what do we do? Do they understand the the ramifications from that cognitively, physically, uh, well, mentally? I, th- I think the urgent overpowers the Im- the important. Yeah, um, yeah. And I really think I do if, too. If I could tell somebody, you know, almost kind of say, "Hey, this is a hard stop." Yes. Period hard stop. You need to figure this out. But you know, it's funny too, is if you think about it and you look at all the studies, um, which of course I do, (laughs) um, I, right. And aside, I had somebody discussing hormone replacement therapy with me and I told her, I was like, you know, I really have spent the last six months reviewing all the world's literature on this. Wow. <laughs> so, and truly so, all the world's literature. You don't have to listen okay. to me on this, right? But no, uh, you don't have to listen to me, but, um, <laughs> but here's what's up. Yeah, this is, this is, I have seriously read all this, but back to sleep for a second. There's plenty of studies, plenty of info, good scientific information that the best sleep that you get is if you go to bed before 10 PM and you get seven to eight hours a night. And Back to our retreat, what I Mm. found to be very fascinating is there was, there was like, well, I don't need that kind of sleep or that's crazy. Why should, you know, nobody can go to bed before 10. So it was really, it was really interesting because the first response was, um, was not listening or curiosity or curiosity resistance it was defensiveness and um and i just it it, that made me think a lot because there was defensiveness on every level and i'm like ah you know you're really missing self-care if if you're defensive about that um 
You talk about the basic building blocks of the processes of self-care. That sounds like a pretty basic one, starting with sleep. Yes, yes. Well, and we're, we're, we are drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit in our culture that is trying to convince us that we don't need, that this is a luxury, or it's reserved for the people that have the, the time or uh, the inclination or the whatever it is like, so, so there, it's a mental shift really. Right. You know, people have to understand that self care is as much about discipline as it is about indulging. Okay. So besides maybe the 10 o'clock thing, like are there um, habits or practices routines that you suggest so that people can get into a mindset of, I'm going to get my rest, you know, and sleep deep consistently. I think that, yes, the answer is yes. But back to the retreat for a second. Um, somebody asked me, well, how do you go to bed by 10 o'clock? And I don't always go to bed by 10 o'clock. But what I tell them is in the morning before I, I will, I will wake up, but I'll always, always set a snooze for 10 minutes. And in that 10 minute of time, I'm thinking about my day. So I'm not thinking at nine o'clock, how am I going to get to bed at 10? I'm thinking when I wake up that morning, or I'm thinking actually, before I go to bed, what does tomorrow look like? Mm, you're planning for it. I'm planning. And the other thing is, is that, you know, I look at my, my house, my home, and we're a team. Um, and so it's like, okay, so if I'm going to go to bed early, that means that uh, my son really does need to fold the clothes. And, you know, we're going to take tasks and we're going to, you know, kind of divvy them up. Um, and it's not just all my task. Um, and so those are the kind of things, but a lot of things that do help kind of relaxation is most women can't be going a hundred miles per hour and then go to sleep because their mind is racing. And so People have to figure out a transition. Um, a lot of people use electronics. I know that some people um, can actually go straight to sleep. But there are studies that show that your mind, after electronics, your mind is just like blinking, blinking, blinking on, you know, all kinds of things. I almost lighting feel up. it in my brain. Yeah. I've, I've heard electric I've, shocks or something. I've heard you, ha you should stop an hour before you want to go to bed looking at devices, which just sounds like that is a... Tall, tall order. It is a tall order. And I, I think there's enough studies. And of course, everybody can claim they're the exception. Um, but if this, but if you look at these studies that really, yeah, there are exceptions. But I think if you really want to feel better off, don't assume you're the exception. Um, <laughs> right. don't assume your exception, but there's, mm -hmm. there's different things that you do. So a lot of people will read, um, I think, like I said, planning is if you're planning to shove four hours of stuff um, in um, what, a, what a lot of women, what I hear a lot of women, and I would include myself, is the window between your kids going to bed and you going to bed um, is when you get certain things done um, or you you know, you, you just get certain things done. And yeah. so that is a time frame. Um, now I don't have that luxury anymore because my kid goes to bed 
sometimes later than me. I know. Oh, we, feel, we feel guilty about it when yeah. we're going to bed and like, our, our kids are still up. <laughs> right? I mean, that's one thing that's kind of, that kind of works against it. Well, my... <laughs> My husband and I have, um, we are, I think we are an excellent team and our skill sets do not often overlap. So what I'm happy about that is he's always up later than he me. He can stay up. <laughs> oh, nice. So we're both. We're I like, am not necessarily like that. No. So he's the sweet. No. You know, he's, yes. he's the sweet. I love it. Let me ask you this, because I hear so many folks talk about this. I want to go to bed at 10. In fact, I do and I'll sleep but I cannot stay asleep or at two in the morning, my brain is racing or at five in the morning I'm up and I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to get up. So, so the intention is there, the desire is there, but it's almost like the body isn't working with us. And I've been in that situation before too, like where you, you really do plan for it and you're like, I'm going to get more sleep, but it's just, the the uh, the uncooperativeness of our bodies or maybe our minds you know the racing minds how do you help in that situation what's well a it's different the body take? and the mind and yeah. it can be different for different people um and you know for some women uh, especially through menopause mm-hmm. it's it's the hot flashes and night sweats that you know, one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning. And then you assess and address that. Um, for a lot of people, it is the anxiety, the mm-hmm. stress. So really, um, addressing that 2am wake up is more about addressing the rest of your life. Yes. Um, what you do during the day will determine whether you get that 2am wake up. Right. Are you handling the anxiety right. in your waking hours? Right. And you know, most people aren't. We either on our autopilot or we're not conscious of what's really bubbling up and all the stress that is manifesting. Um, yeah, so I don't know my question there, but no, I think that's a great question because I think what if you think about it, okay, it's not necessarily what's going on at 2 a.m. Okay, right. now if you're having this dreadful night sweat and you wake up and you're soaking wet, obviously. Yes. But I think what it, I think for a lot of people, it kind of reflects what's going on during the day. And I think some of it is, is it's almost like your body is crying out desperately for you to pay attention and you don't hear it because you are so busy. But then the moment you lay down, it's -hmm. like all of a sudden you can hear all that noise and, oh, you know, what do you do with all that noise? Mm -hmm wake up. Yeah. Uh, before we get off the topic of self-care, I want you to talk a little bit about something else you're passionate about, which is nutrition Yes, and foods, giving our body what it needs. So how, how are you thinking about that? And how would you advise coach people to maybe think a little bit differently about what they're putting in their bodies? So let me ask you this question. Um, if you, you have a car, right? Yes. And does your car take gas? Yes. Do you have to have an oil change every once in a while? Yes, probably more than I give it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you're at the gas station, would you put water in your gas tank? Yeah, no. No. Not a good idea. No. So what you do is you have a, ga- you have a car that, has, uh, that requires gas, and you give it the right gas. So it's not even do you give it leaded or unleaded or, you know, diesel. We have a, we have a Chad the van. Um, oh yeah. Matt's told me about that. Yeah. We have Chad, the van, Chad, the van runs on diesel. If we tried to put something else on it, it would stop. That's hilarious. But 
<laughs> I love that. So, but Wait, bottom Chad, line, the, Chad the van, or you're just saying Chad the van? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, the van's name is Chad. Really? So, um, <laughs> he well, requires diesel. It must be a cool van. Um, <laughs> so cool. <laughs> um, Sorry, I thought you you probably thought I was doing a shout out for you. No, but um, I'm actually doing a shout out for, for the van. The van. <laughs> yeah. um, I, okay, actually, and as you're talking about this, I'm curious about the timing of when you put the the gas in your tank, so to speak. I'm trying to do some intermittent fasting. Shelly's been doing it mostly for a year and a half. What do you think about like the sixteen eight thing, or do you do you have any opinions on well, that? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna finish my beautiful okay. analogy <laughs> no, because sorry. I just love my analogy. Bottom line is is if you have a car, it is it is crazy to me how we all are so much more mindful about putting gas in our car. And if we're ever stopped on the side of the road because you didn't put gas in your car, you're probably never gonna do that again in your life. Probably, <laughs> right. probably. Yeah. But bottom line is we don't treat our bodies the same way and our so the standard american diet is very high in carb very high in processed foods and our body just isn't made to use that and so it is extremely stressful on our system and what's interesting is is on a cellular basis on a very physiologic basis if you put this into your system your body is feeling significant stress, almost like the stress of a life mm -hmm. event. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And so what we're doing is because our bodies are res as resilient as they are, they are still moving. But the evidence of that is, it's crazy, shorter lifespan. Mm. Um, you know, the, the other thing is um, the obesity epidemic, um, diabetes, cancer heart risks. disease, yeah. cancer, all this kind of stuff. And so um, our bodies are far more resilient than our cars are, which means that we can beat up our bodies and then all of a sudden, whoa, you know, we've, we've passed the point of making a dramatic impact. Mm -hmm. Um, and really what our bodies need is nutritious foods. Um, and the beautiful thing about our bodies is because they're resilient, then, um, if you take care of them, they're going to do what they need to do. Um, so people will ask me about supplements and vitamins and stuff like that. And I think that question is fabulous. And we have no way of knowing, no blood tests, no saliva tests, nothing like that, to truly know exactly what your body needs because of the way you process whatever mm. we're talking about. And so, but our body knows how to do that with foods. Um, mm. And our body knows how to do that in combination. So, um, so, I'm not saying don't take vitamins or something. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying the absolute fine tuning, we will never really be able to know. So, um, I've taken, I have started a course in functional medicine and what I love about it, if you could summarize their goal in one sentence, it's food is medicine. Mm. Is there a particular type of diet that you recommend? Um, so, 
What I what I would say is I learn I look first of all at food, um, and what you really need is you need a well balanced diet of nutritious foods, and so you need to be primarily vegetables. And what I do is I really I talk you know I even talk to my son. We got to eat the rainbow. Um, you need, you are getting different nutrition if you are getting different colors of vegetables. So the, so you really, whatever your preferences is, it should be high in vegetables. Um, fruit does have a lot of carbs. And so depending on what your underlying health issues are, you probably do need to be mindful of that. Um, and then a source of healthy fat and um, protein. And that can be, um, you know, you can have vegetarian, you can have lean meat, etc. cetera. Um, the other thing is avoiding processed foods. Um, so, you know, I will see, um, you know, you'll see something like, to me, you're not really gaining, not to me, but on a cellular basis, if you eat processed soy, there's some protein in there, but it's still processed in a way that is not always readily usable. Like soy, soy milk? Is soy milk? No, I'm no. talking okay. like if you go to a restaurant and they have soy burgers, soy that tastes like fish, soy that tastes like whatever. Okay. Um, you know, I think, I think people assume that being a vegetarian is healthier. Um, but you could eat Cheetos and drink Coke and you could call yourself a vegetarian because yeah. you're not eating meat. There's no what, meat. What, do you, what do you think about the yeah. impossible burger and the plant-based, um, the plant-based meat? Well, I think uh, that's what you're saying. It's yeah. It's, and I just think it's, it's you're like saying what's that it's still happening. Processed? Well, what's happening on a cellular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't think, um, I don't think people are looking at that really on, it's like, you know, it's, it's what it does is it allows somebody to enjoy more things with mm -hmm. their diet choices. And I have no problem with that either. It's just go back to the balance. So, and the basics. And the basics. So whatever, whatever you, whatever diet you do, it needs to be mostly vegetables. You need to be getting healthy fat and some sort, and you need protein. protein. Yeah. Uh, and I think that we actually do get plenty of protein in our diets, right? There's always a lot of resistance about the, Oh, I've got to eat my meat. And, and, uh, and that's, and that's the main way that I'm going to get my, my protein. But I think that we get plenty of it through what, what beans and, and other sources. I think I did. I definitely think you can. Um, the nice thing about, I mean, the easy thing about eating meat is like you need four ounces of meat and you'll get plenty of protein. So, um, so I think you, some people have to work a little harder to get adequate amount of protein in their diet. Um, but you know what, I mean, how many places have you ever gone and you've been offered four ounces of meat other than a beef tenderloin? Never. Yeah, it's always more. Right. Yeah. Uh, 12 ounces. Yeah. 16. We, we eat a lot of food in yeah. our culture. Yeah. So, um, so what's interesting is our balance, our bodies are very balanced. So you asked about intermittent fasting earlier. Um, I would, I would say that, um, 
I haven't always seen that hugely beneficial for women, especially um, during different hormonal transitions, Mm. um, because it can swing your blood sugar, which can swing your insulin. Mm. And um, so the I so I think um, what I have seen is you're probably now, again, please don't please don't take this as a hard and fast rule because everybody is different. Um, but I think if a woman is dealing with hormonal symptoms, then they are probably better off not doing the fasting where they are actually skipping days mm-hmm. as a consistent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, you know, even for myself, I've, I've tried the intermittent fasting where you're eating for eight hours. Um, and I found that if my blood sugar swings too low, then it is, then I have cognitive impact. And so, um, um, so there's, there's no way I would personally do that. Um, breakfast, breakfast, and it doesn't have to be some huge meal either. Um, it can be just like a, a veggie drink for me. Um, but you do, you do have to be aware of the symptoms. And so, um, the other thing is, is that you do have to balance out what's happening, um, with your metabolism, because even though for some people doing that will facilitate weight loss, if you are negatively affecting your metabolism, then over the long run, you're actually going to gain weight. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think there is this personalized approach that people, we all need to be taking responsibility and advocating for our own health and experimenting. I think trying, trying different things to put in your body for nutrition, trying different ways to move your body. Like, I don't know, and I love your approach. There is no one thing that fits everybody. And so I hope people hear this and it's, it spurs some ideas for more self-care. Like, let me try this. Let me lean into this a little bit more. Let me t- try to self-discipline myself, turn off the Netflix and go to bed at 10. Right. And that's hard. It that's is. hard. Yeah. Um, you know, to the, you mentioned move and exercise. I used to, I still use the word exercise, of course, but I try to, um, say move. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I say exercise, then they, Zip resistance, you know, Oh, she wants me to go to the gym. Yeah. No. So for, I I like to do my own, my own self tests as well. So, um, in moving towards trying to be healthier myself is, um, I figured out my study of one that my preferred exercise for good mental health. So remember what your goal is. My goal is good mental health, um, is to walk jog with my dog for 30 minutes in the morning. Um, I still get benefit at 15 minutes. Um, used to 15 minutes. Uh, that's a waste of time. But now I will take that 15 minutes and then sometimes that turns into 20. But bottom line is any stopping and movement that's intentional is going to have, you're going to reap benefits. Yes. So some intentionality and trying to work these routines, like developing, I think that, I mean, we have to do something to work these good basic habits into our routines, right? We have to develop them. I guess it's intentionality. Um, Are there things that you 
tell your uh, your clients to to do like uh, specific things or I know it's it's not a one size fits all. Um, so what I look at is I look at uh, I look at sleep, exercise, diet, um, and are there any health issues to address that we need to specifically address? And I'll set that aside because that could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably the best place to start is food. Um, but really what I try to do is I try to get somebody to buy in, first of all, that they're, they're worth making that choice. Um, secondly, what's doable. Um, and so, you know, I could come up with the best plan for you in the world. And if you don't think it's doable, who has that helped? Nobody. They're not going to do it. No, no. Okay. Right. So you figure out, so you figure out and, and oftentimes food is the best place to start because you can live without exercising, but eventually you have to put something in your mouth and you know (laughs) it. Um, and so food is usually the best place to start. And usually somebody can come up with something that they can do. Um, so the person who drinks, um, two liters of Coke a day, um, they need to back off to one liter, then yeah. to yeah, then start to where you are. That's <laughs> right. Baby steps. Yeah. So start basically start where you are, and also, um, you know, people people will get embarrassed by what they're do what they're doing that's not healthy, and they'll feel shame, and so they're going to modify their comments. And for me, it's like, you know, so that's where we start. Yeah. Start where you are. Start where you are. Take ownership for yourself. Um, Okay. You know, um, and then I'll also tell them, you know, when they obviously are showing some shame or embarrassment, I'll be like, okay, you know what? I have my own, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, like I like whipped cream. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I really like in the mouth directly kind of whipped cream. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I I will hear, it's funny because the, I wish they would make those cans that didn't make sound. Because <laughs> they know. Because Mom, you're doing it again. We'll hear it. I'll hear from upstairs, Trisha, that's the third time. There she goes again. <laughs> all right. Great. So we're also all allowed our little vices. Okay, so fair enough. We are going to wrap this up with three questions we ask you that we ask everybody that comes on the show. And the first question is, what is a book? that you might recommend to the big self community that has meant a lot to you or that you've recently read, uh, but something that you are learning that you'd like to, to share with us. So can I give you a couple? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, I love the book by Brene Brown, the gift of, um, imperfection. And I really like all, all of her books, but that Mm -hmm. is probably one of my favorite. Um, I have listened to a book, um, recently and I have reread it and listened to it several times is called the lost art of listening. Um, and the first time I listened to it, I was thinking about listening to others, but what really resonated the second, third, fourth time I listened to it was, Whoa, I got to start out by listening to myself. So I didn't know that that was one of your books. So I read that in graduate school when I was getting my master's in clinical psychology at Wheaton, and it was was transformative for exactly what you're saying. I was reading it as a therapist to learn to listen, but the insights in that book of self-listening were so powerful. I love that. Another book is um, 
Byron Katie's books. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other book that I reread um, fairly frequently is the book of James um, in the Bible. About five to 10 years ago, I was in a leadership, physician leadership course, and I was reading it at the same time as I was in this course. And it was probably one of the best teachers I've ever had. Mm. And um, every, almost every difficult situation that I have to work out, I always go back to what I've learned there Mm. as well. Wow. Wow. Fantastic stuff. More, more than, more than enough. You you do a lot of reading. Yeah, those Uh, are good. Let's see us. Well, what's your morning routine look like for you, Patricia? Uh, My morning routine is I wake up at 530. Uh, Yeah, I wake up at 530. And then before I go to work, then I do one of a couple things. And again, I'm thinking about this the night before what I can do. So my ideal is wake up, um, have my cup of coffee, pray, read my Bible, and then do a 15 or 30 minute walk with the dog. Um, and it really depends on when when I have to go in. Um, and then also when my, my, my kid wakes up um, so that I can spend some time with him too. Um, but that there is always an element of my morning um, that includes those. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. wow. And the last question we have is what does big self mean to you? I love that terminology. um, Because really, the first thing when you think about big, it's something you can't ignore. Um, Mm. And so the first thing to do is to, first of all, value yourself Mm -hmm. in order to be able to see your strengths and your weaknesses and work through those. And that's really where your life truly becomes more rich. Um, It's almost like going, if you can't recognize that, then your life is far more 2D. Your life becomes 3D when you work through those difficult things and you can you are much more likely to have a positive impact on other people um when you um are able to do that i think my favorite all-time quote is those are some quotables right there that was powerful well can you my my favorite quote and i um is by parker palmer we have it right here And I like that quote better than anything I just said, because this is far more, um, yeah, it's just beautiful. And it's basically this, this sums up me or what I want to do for other people is self-care is never a selfish act. It is simply good stewardship of the only gift I have, the gift I was put on earth to offer others. Anytime we can listen to true self and give the care it requires, we do it not only for ourselves, but for many others whose lives we touch. Wow. I don't think uh, (laughs) we could have said it better ourselves. So good. Speaking from Parker Palmer. This was great. You were amazing. Thank you. And I'm so glad that you were in my life and that we've had a chance to meet and work together more intimately over the last year or so, six months or so. Yeah. And um, I think this is a gift that you're giving people, not only the 
the talk, you know, kind of this conversation that we're having right now, but the gift of who you are and the work you're doing is, um, is a powerful gift in this community. So how, thank you. Yeah, thank you. How can listeners uh, find you to learn a little bit more about how to get in touch with you and, and your private practice? Um, well, their information to find me is actually on the Galen website. Okay. Um, that's probably the easiest way. Um, and we can link that in the show notes okay. for people that want to read more about you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you for having me on here. This was delightful. Thanks for tuning in to the Big Self Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, join in the community at the Big Self Society. You can also find us at big underscore self on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. What show made an impact on your thinking, your habits, your decision making, or anything else? Anyone you'd like us to reach out to and have on the show, let us know.